in your presence and in the word of God. Um, as we get into the word, um, we ask, oh God, that the spirit of God will light our candle and enlighten our darkness. Uh, Lord, we ask for inspiration. We ask for revelation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, you are very welcome this morning. Praise the Lord. I've titled my message today, uh, Compounding the Eighth Wonder of the World. You know, the historian Herodotus and a scholar, uh, Callimachus of Cyrene, at the Museum of Alexandria, in medieval times, they made a list of seven places that they considered to be wonders of the world. Now, these were places that they considered to be the most remarkable creations of the ancient times. Yeah? These were stupendous works, which when you saw them, or if you saw them, it evoked awe and wonder to anyone who beheld them. They were creations of man that demonstrated um, the capability of man that expressed the divine. So the, there were places, um, all these places were around the Mediterranean, and there were edifices or creations of man that when you saw them, you thought, wow, what a wonder. I mean, how could human beings uh, have ever created something like this? So in medieval times, they were known as the seven wonders of the world. Okay? Uh, and I thought, you know what? I would show pictures of these places. One is uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza. The other, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. We have the statue of Zeus at Olympus. We have the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus. I mean, doesn't that look magnificent? I mean, these were done thousands of years ago. We have the mausoleum at Halicarnassus. I mean, I was impressed, and this is the 21st century. We have the Colossus at Rhodes. I mean, human beings built such a statue that it towered so high above um, skyscrapers themselves. I mean, there's actually, um, they have some of these, um, some of the remains just to show you the scale of this, I mean, that's the head of the Colossus next to some tourists. I mean, look at the head of that. So, I'm at a huge, a huge, um, uh, a huge edifice, edifice. And the seventh wonder was the lighthouse of Alexandria. These were creations of man. And when you saw them, it inspired awe and wonder. They were known as the seven wonders of the world. Now, thousands of years later, Albert Einstein discovered something that so hit him in a way that he considered it worthy of elevation as the eighth wonder of the world. Something truly divine. And that was compound interest. He discovered the power of compound interest. And he said, you know what, I, I have heard about the seven wonders. We have seen the seven wonders. And indeed, they are really awe-inspiring. They evoke awe and wonder. But you know, I have discovered something that should be elevated to the same level as a wonder. An expression that would cause awe and wonder in the earth. And that is compound interest. Compound interest. He said compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. And he who doesn't, pays it. He who understands it, earns it. And he who doesn't, pays it. Compound interest is often called the eighth wonder because it seems to have magical powers. Okay? You don't need to be smart to benefit from compound interest. You just need to know it and use it. Uh, are you with me so far? 
For those who don't know what compound interest is, um, you know how people say ignorance is bliss. It's a lie. Um, your ignorance is working against you. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about compound interest, but, but I just want you to see the power of it. And we can use a simple illustration to show the magical powers of compound interest. Now, if you were given the option of having $10,000 or being given $10,000 every day for 30 days, or you were given the option of having a dollar, but that dollar will double every day for 30 days, which would you go for? Now, let me ask the question again. Somebody came up to you and said, Mr. Christian, I have two options for you. I would either give you $10,000 a day for 30 days, and I'm reliable. Or I will give you a dollar. And for the next 30 days, I'll tell you the dollar, and that dollar will double every day. How many of us will go for the $10,000 a day for 30? Put up your hands. Let's do an illustration. Yeah, $10,000 a day. I mean, it makes sense, right? Oh, come on, what's the rest? What are the rest of you doing? Some people are going to abstain. Just watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So $10,000 a day for 30 days. Okay. Now, a dollar. That's, you're only getting a dollar. But I will tell you where to put that dollar such that every day a what? Doubles. Okay. Now, how many of you abstained? The ups, uh, the, <laughs> I plead the fifth <laughs> on the advice of counsel. I keep my peace. Okay. Now, look at this. If you had $10,000 a day, um, day one, you'll have 10,000. Day two, you have 20. Day three, you have 30. Um, day 15, you'll have 150,000. Does that make sense? If you had a, a, a dollar a day, day one, you'll have one. Day two, two. Day four. Yeah, you see how it works? So day 15, you'll have a thousand. Oh, 16. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. 16,384. Compared to day 15, the other person has 150,000. Now, how many of you want to switch? You want to switch to, to the doubling? Well, look at what happens at day 30. At day 30, the person who has $10,000 every day gets 300000 But the person who gets a dollar a day and it keeps doubling gets what? Five million. Now, doesn't that seem like magic? Now, now, compound interest is working right now. It's either working for you or it's working against you. If you do nothing, it is working, it is working against you. So when Einstein discovered this, you know, the, the laws, the physical laws were discovered, not invented. You know that, right? Okay, it's a discovery, an awareness that, wow, so this is already at play. When he discovered this, he said, wow, this is worthy of being the eighth wonder of the world. The eighth wonder of the world. You know, compound interest applies to money. It helps us achieve our financial goals, such as becoming a millionaire, retiring comfortably, or being financially independent. Okay, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the course of the sermon. But you see the power of compounding, don't you? Yeah, and it's worthy of being considered the eighth wonder of the world. But you see, compounding doesn't just apply to finance. Compounding is a principle of life. And when you take advantage of this principle of life, it will unleash the power of God that is within you. The power of God that is within you. 
if you're not unleashing the power of compounding in every area of your life, you would operate at a level much lower than the, cap the capability that you have as a human being. It doesn't just apply to finances. It is a principle of life. Such that when you unleash it, it feels like magic. You know, on a financial course uh, that we did years ago, uh, there's this Christian man, he, he runs the course, uh, and he talked about his experience um, as, a, as an accountant um, and a financial strategist in the U.S. He said that his pastor called him um, one day and said, you know, I'm about to retire, and could you just... Um, uh, assess my position financially, all right? You shouldn't assess your financial position just before you retire. But anyway, so he said, okay, you know, he'll get involved in his books. Uh, and he, he, he realized to his surprise that this pastor actually had net, um, assets over a million dollars. And he was surprised. And this was a guy who had a very small church, and he never earned more than $10,000 a year. I'll say that again. He never earned more than $10,000 a year, okay? And he was very interested in knowing how this guy was able to amass over a million dollars. He had a very small church in a very small neighborhood, and he earned very little money. But he discovered that over the course of his life, uh, apart from tithing, he, he will tithe his first 10%, and the next 10% he will invest in himself. And by investing himself, I don't mean he went on holiday. He took his money and invested into his own future. He put it in the markets and, and all this kind of stuff. And um, over the course of his life, the investment compounded. All right? So like magic, at the end of his life, he was able to retire well. Yeah? But you see, compounding, so it seemed like magic. But compounding affects every aspect of life. And we're going to look at this this morning. You know, this year is the year where we've been released to take charge. So it is important to understand the principles that we must use in order to take charge and extend the kingdom of God in the earth. Compounding is a principle of life. God said to Noah, he said, while the earth remains, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So while you're on the earth, there are certain things at play. There is seed time and there is harvest. You know, harvest is a fruit of compounding. All right? Because you can tell the number of seeds on a tree, but you can't tell the number of trees in a seed. Uh, it, it is a principle that is part of the DNA of the earth. Okay? It's a compounding principle. It's a harvest principle. Let's go on. In Genesis chapter 1, the Lord put this principle as a fundamental principle uh, of the operation of the earth. In Genesis 1.11, the Bible says, God said, Let the earth bring forth grass. The herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Whose seed is where? So when God created the tree, he put the seed in the tree. All right? He put the seed in the tree because that's the only way that the laws of compounding will work. If the creation comes with the seed. Are you with me? Because then, uh, it, you know, if, this, if the seed was something you had to go and look for. And you had to go and buy. Some of us may have the money, some of us may not. Alright? But if the creation comes with the seed, that means that the capability for compounding uh, comes with it. The Bible says that he created the trees and he made sure the seed was in itself on the earth. And later on, the Lord saw that it was good. 
The reason why it was good was because the seed was in the tree. Because how many of you know if the seed was not in the tree, when that tree dies, God had to, has to create again. All right? So God used a miracle to start this thing. But it is not the nature of God to produce miracles every day. I know that sounds, I know that sounds like heresy. But God did not create this thing so that he will produce miracles every day. No, he used a miracle to start it. And then he embedded the miraculous within it. I'll say it again. He used a miracle to start it. And then he embedded a miraculous principle within it. Of course, the Lord produced, I mean, he does miracles today. To get things back on track. But it's not the will of God for, to produce miracles in your life by his own personal agency every day. Now, let's move on beyond trees. Let's talk about man. Now, Isaiah says, in Isaiah 8.18, he says, here I am. And the children that the Lord has given me, we, everyone say we. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. How many of us are for signs and wonders? It says we are for signs and wonders. So going back to the beginning and what we talked about the seven wonders of the world. When a wonder manifests, everyone looks and says, wow. I mean, there's just one reaction. It is, it is, wow. This is not from this place. Now, the Bible is saying that we are destined for sign and wonder. Such that when we manifest, it will be a manifestation of the divine. People will see the quality of our manifestation and they will be in awe and give glory to God. Let us push this a little bit further. The psalmist says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. So you are a marvelous creation. You are a creation that is destined for marvel. You are a creation. You know, it doesn't matter what your dad or your mom or your friends tell you. You are somebody that has been created to be marvelous. Something marvelous is marvelous in manifestation. The thing that comes out of you will be awe-inspiring because its origin is from the divine. He says, wow, I am a marvelous work. You know, you can get up every morning and say, wow, I am a marvelous work. But thank God it wouldn't lead to pride because the reason why you're a marvelous work is because of the one who created you. It should lead to praise. It's like, wow, I am a marvelous work. Another translation puts it this way. It says, thank you for making me so marvelously complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. The Bible says that you and I are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. You are the handiwork of God. It says your workmanship, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Now the question is, why is this workmanship so marvelous? Why is this workmanship so marvelous? You know, in the beginning, Genesis 1.26, the Bible says when he created humanity, look at what he said. It says, God blessed them and said what? Oh, say it like you believe it. It says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Everyone say, be, be fruitful. Well, if you're going to be fruitful, guess what you have to have? You've got to have seeds, don't you? The Bible says that he created the trees and the seed was in itself. And he said that as long as the earth remains, for every seed there will be a harvest. And if that seed is planted, it will unleash a principle. 
a multiplication principle whereby it will be fruitful and the product of that investment will be marvelous. It will be awe-inspiring. Now, you and I were in Adam when God spoke these words. Because the Bible says he created them male and female and he blessed them. Is there anyone here that is not, uh, whose lineage cannot be traced back to Adam? Anyone? So that means that when God spoke to Adam and Eve, you were in Adam when he spoke those words. Just like the Bible says that Levi or Levi paid tithes uh, because he was in the loins of Abraham when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. When God spoke those words to Adam and Eve, you and I were in him or in Adam when those words were spoken. So God spoke to you and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, uh, have dominion and subdue it. That means that as a result of your birth, you come with seeds of greatness on the inside of you. Amen. You come with seeds of greatness on the inside of you. But those seeds need to be identified and they need to be planted. You know, I believe that if we understand this, issues of wealth, issues of fulfillment will not be an issue anymore. Because you have already come as a sign and wonder by virtue of your birth. Let's move on with this. Now, if you want a, a, a memory verse from this um, message this morning, it will be Proverbs 12, verse 11. Proverbs 12, verse 11. This is a, you know, uh, I just want to set the foundation before we go into the meat of what we're talking about today, which is compounding. But before we talk about compounding, in essence, you must understand that by virtue of your creation, you are a marvelous work. And you are created to be fruitful. It doesn't matter what your experience is so far. You can start being fruitful from tomorrow by taking advantage of the process. It doesn't matter how many years you have not let compound interest work for you. You can actually start today. Do you know you can actually start today? And it will instantly start working because it is a principle in the earth. If you are not happy with the level of fruitfulness in your life, you can change it today. You can start the process today. You know, I believe this verse captures the elements of this. Proverbs 12, 11 says, Those, everyone say those. those. Or say it again, those. those. Now, what does, that, what does those mean? It's everyone, but it also carries with it uh, an, an, uh, an element of responsibility. It is like those who choose to do this. All right? Those who choose to take advantage of this. It says those who work their land will have what? They will have abundant food. They will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. It says those who work their land. You know, those is selective, as in those who choose to. But everyone has their land to work. All right? Yeah. Everybody has their land. It's like saying that those who plant their seeds will have abundant food. So the people who have abundant food are those who choose to plant. But everyone has their seeds. Does that make sense? It says those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. You know, I could do what I have done on a few occasions. Since this applies to everyone, I could very easily ask the question, how many people have no sense here? You'll never find hands up. Okay? But it's saying that there are some people that walk their land, but there are some people that chase fantasies. But those who work their land will have abundant food. So that means, now I want you to work with me on this. That means that your seeds of greatness on the inside of you, the administration of your gifting is like working land. 
there is a multiplication effect. Because when you plant a seed, you don't just get a tree, do you? You get a tree that has seeds in it. And then you plant the seeds and you have trees. It's a multiplication effect. So there is an administration of your gifting that will lead to multiplication. Even you. Every single person here in this place today, you, you were born with seeds of greatness. And those seeds, when you plant them, it will have the same effect as planting a seed in a tree because it produces an abundance. So that means you have potential for abundance. And there is a certain administration. There's a certain way you can work your gift in such that the effect is a multiplier effect. It is not just about hard work. I'll say it again. It's not just about what? Oh, say it again. It's not just about what? I am not selling a pipe dream here. This is the reality. It is not just about hard work. You know, I read recently someone said that, you know, if it was all about hard work, then the donkey would, be, would have been the king of the jungle. Because a donkey sleeps for four hours a day. A lion sleeps for 18 hours a day. So if it is just about hard work, then let us crown the donkey. But you see, there is, a, there is an administration of the gifting that unleashes the power of compounding that will lead to abundant food. Now let me, let me uh, talk about this briefly. This is not my subject. But let me talk about this to illustrate what I'm saying. Because I'm talking about compounding. Not just in finances, but as a principle of life. You know, the guy that wrote uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, his book is famous. He talks about the four ways of earning income. I'm sure uh, most of you have seen this. Talks about the four ways of earning income. I mean, there are those on the left and those on the right. Uh, the employee and the self-employed person. On the right, you have the business owner and an investor, right? Now, of course, you know, if people were to choose two, they wouldn't go for the two on the left. They would go for the right, wouldn't they? But if you want to find out where most people are, they are not on the right. They wish they were on the right, but they're on the left. Now, the reason why people move away from the left, if they can, is because, as you know, an employee owns a job. They don't own a business. And they exchange their time for money. All right? So you come in, you clock in, and you get a wage. It doesn't really matter how good you are. Um, within that job, that banding, um, there is a range. And if you get promoted, and if you're really good and you get promoted, you'll get the, the salary bracket for the next one. Does that make sense? Okay? Um, but, but then what happens is that you, you, it's, you're exchanging your time for money. All right? You've got to be there. You've got to clock in and clock out. It might be a lot of money, but, you know, a lot of people want to get out of that. They want to be independent. But then typically, when people leave this bracket... Um, and they say, you know what, I have my own business now. What really they're doing is they're still on the left, but instead of being an employee, they now own a job. I know being self-employed can be one of the toughest things you can do. All right? Because even though you have your own business, in quote, uh, some of them really just own a job because it's still just about them. Okay? Like you might be a plumber, um, but you're just, it's just you. Um, whereas when you were an employee, uh, if you fell ill, you had um, sick leave, right? But if you owned a, a business and it's just you, guess what? When you fall ill, I mean, self-employed people don't even fall ill. <laughs> you understand? Self-employed people, you know, they don't go on holiday. Holiday? You know, vacation that they used to enjoy when they were, they don't, they don't. <laughs> because once they leave the office... And now they have multiple jobs. They turn on the gen, they make sure the diesel is on, you know, all those kind of things that they didn't have to do when they were um, employed. Are you with me? Now, I'm not knocking self-employment or, or employment. Uh, I am sort of knocking it, but I'm going to come back and, and give it some, uh, give some structure to it. But you see, a lot of people on the, everyone on the left is essentially exchanging their time for money. But on the right, there is a multiplication effect, isn't there? Someone that owns a business has others working for them. Somebody that's an investor um, has their money working for them. Are you with me? Yeah? Um, so you, when they are working, their money is also working. And how many of you know that your money can work 24 hours a day? 
it does work 24 hours a day if it's in the right place. Now, if somebody were an employee, for instance, and they made sure that every month a certain percentage of their income was being put into an investment. They are earning a wage, but they are making sure that compounding is working for them. Are you with me? Yeah? So this person here understands that the money they get from their job is not meant to be consumed. Because as an employee, I might be an employee right now, as an employee, I know that the proper administration of my gift has a multiplication effect. And from the money I earn, if I take some of it and put it in this place where it's working for me, all of a sudden, I can become an investor. Imagine if I was the, the best employee. And I'm coming to this. But imagine with the work of my hand, maybe as an accountant. I am so good at, that everybody comes to me as the expert in the field. And then everyone knows me as the go-to person in this area of accounting. And, you know, as soon as I get one job, another employer is calling me. Because they know that when it comes to my area, I am the best. Guess what's going to happen? You might still be an employee, but somebody will call you and, and they'll have this smart idea. That, you know, in order to ensure their loyalty, because I know that it doesn't matter how much I pay them, somebody can pay them more. They will now float this idea to you that, you know, come work for me, but rather than just being an employee, you are going to have equity in the business such that we'll pay you your wage but at the end of the year when we are dividing profits because you know employees and wages business people and profits yeah so you are doing you are taking your seeds and because of how you have dealt with that seed it has become you have released the power in that seed the multiplication effect Guess what? When you enter into that space, and you can enter into this space concerning anything that you do. I said anything. Where people now invite you and give you equity. And guess what? What happens? Your seed, the same seed begins to what? Begins to multiply. There is an administration of your gifting that will lead to multiplication. God has not called anybody just to draw a wage. Yeah? That has got to be a challenge to you. It does not matter if you get paid 50 million naira every year. God has not called anybody just to earn a wage. There is an administration of what God has given you that when it reveals itself, it will be such a sign and a wonder and it would multiply in effect and men will come around and say, you know what? Come and partner with us. Let us do something big together. Are you with me? And that is why Proverbs 12, 11 says, he who works his own land. So you are responsible for finding out what your own land is. You are responsible for bringing that land to a place of proficiency. You are responsible for learning the wisdom on how you can administer that gifting such that it will multiply. It says, he who works his land will have abundant food. If you don't have abundant food today, it might be because you have not identified your land. It might be because you are not working it. And it might also be because you haven't reached your due season yet. And I'm coming to that. Because there is a due season. There is a due season. But if you do not identify your land and work it, that due season will never come. Because the due season will come and will pass. I'm sorry. You know this high life. We don't have too much time. So I can't beat around the bush. Because we're finished at 1230. All right? You know, our Robert said, miracles come towards you and go past you every day. They come toward you and go past you. The reason why they go past you is because you're not ready. You don't see them. You don't see them. You don't see them because you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. They, they, go, they stand in front of you. 
Like, you know, we talked, uh, we just finished the series on the giant killers. All of Israel had the covenant, and they stood at, at that valley. And the Philistine came out and said, you know, just send somebody to fight for me, fight with me. All of them had covenants. Tribe of Judah, they were all there. All of David's brothers were all there. And the thing that was an opportunity, none of them took advantage of it. They ran away. But then the young boy who was prepared looked at the same thing. The same challenge. And instead of saying, you know, I'm going home now. Nigeria is too hard for me. It's going back. He saw the same thing. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I have killed a lion. I have killed a bear. The Lord was with me. The Lord will be with me in this thing. I can do it. I can, I can do it. I can do it. So are you sure? I can, I can do it. Give it to me. I can do it. The same thing that others saw and ran away from. Because he saw the opportunity in the challenge. He walked his land and he had abundant food. So if we look at this equation and we're to break it down, we'll say land identification times working it. It's times, not plus. Land identification times what? Equals abundance and fulfillment. Land identification times working it equals abundance and fulfillment. For the MBAs in the class, you could say value times leverage equals wealth. When you identify your place of value, your place of value, your place of value, and you work it, you learn how to work it, it would always lead to wealth. You identify your place of value, you bring, bring it to a place of proficiency, and learn how to leverage it, it will lead to wealth. And I've shared this here some years ago about the young man called Keanu Reeves, um, who in 1999, he became the leading man in the movie series The Matrix. Any of you, well, because <laughs> I talk about it often enough. He was the leading man. He was established as the leading man in the Matrix. Uh, at the time, it was a bit of a risk because he wasn't the first choice for the film. Keanu wasn't the first choice for the film. It was actually John, Johnny Depp was the first choice uh, for the film. But um, at the time, uh, Keanu, he couldn't really command a high Hollywood salary. Uh, he, you know, for movies at the time, he commanded about $10 million per movie. Dollars, yes, I know. Not a large Hollywood salary. Because the going rate for the A-listers was like $20 million. But at the time, you know, he was up and coming. Uh, the movies went to make about, uh, um, you know, the, the first movie, he got, um, it grossed about um, $460 million. But what um, Keanu did was that when he negotiated his deal, he said, you know, uh, yeah, I know I'm not worth the big box yet. But, you know, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. Am I going to raise about $10 million? Um, or maybe I'll 15 million, but I'll take 10 million, but I'll take 10% of the takings. I'll take 10% of the takings. And I thought, you know what, okay, fine. We'll give you that. Because that way, they, they you know, reduce, you know, the 5 million, reduce costs. So we'll give you 10%. Now, he wasn't an A-lister at the time. It was just pretty good. So um, Matrix 1 went on to earn... Um, 460 million. So he, he got like 56 million for making the first movie. Yeah? Now we're talking about value times what? Leverage. He got 56 million for the first movie. And it became an instant hit. So when it came to making Reloaded and Revolutions, he was paid 15 million per movie, but then they said they'll pay you 5%. Of the takings. He went on to make, the movies went on to make 738 million and 423 million dollars respectively. 
So if you work out his earnings, over three movies, uh, he made over $260 million. That is a quarter of a billion dollars. Now, now he didn't work harder. Are you with me? He did not work harder, but he understood his place of value and he, he understood how to leverage it and use the power of compounding to release the potential in that value. Now, the, the, the people he was negotiating with were not struggling. No, we're not going to give you because it was, they, they understood that this was a man of value. They wanted to partner with him because it was through that partnership that, that the movie grossed $738 million. They made more than he did. So they were not complaining. You know, if they are complaining when you go into negotiation, it means that you have not yet um, brought your place of value to a thing of prominence. Are you with me? I'll say it again. If there's a struggle, you, are, you, you need to work on your on bringing that thing of value to prominence, to a place of excellence. You know, everybody, a lot of people hated Daniel. But they all wanted Daniel to be involved in their administration. Do you know why? Because there was no one as smart as Daniel. Daniel served four generations of wicked kings. I mean, all the guys on the court wanted Daniel to go down. But Daniel had more power than they did. He had more favor with the king, and he had more favor with the king of kings. But Daniel understood more than they did. He had solutions more times than the rest of the guys did. So every king wanted Daniel. Even though Daniel did not approve of a lot of things they did, uh, you know, they, they would still want Daniel in the court. It doesn't matter how corrupt the nation is. It is the Christians that are going to change the destiny of this nation. But it begins by bringing your value to a place of prominence such that they will want you there. They will want you there. Because they know that there is no one as wise as you. It doesn't matter how much money people steal. You know, you've got to do some good. Otherwise, there could be a big rebellion. And the people that are able to release the wisdom are the people that you're going to look for. Does that make sense? So value times leverage equals wealth. Value times leverage equals wealth. You know, Galatians 6 verse 4. Oh man, we need to learn this. You know, the, the most powerful word in this passage is the word careful. Everyone say careful. Careful. It says make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Make a careful exploration. Make a careful exploration. You are not all things to all men. You are not called to be, you know, you, you, there's some specific things that you can do and do well. There are some specific areas of your life where the power of God is at work. It's not at work everywhere. It is not at work everywhere. It is not at work everywhere. And it is your responsibility to understand who you are. Don't try to be like me and I would not try to be like you. It is your responsibility to know who you are. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that because if you put yourself anywhere else you are chasing fantasy and according to the Bible you have no sense because yes you might get a measure of success but it will pale in comparison to the power you will release when you cultivate your place of value to a place of prominence and excellence be careful about this don't rush take your time take your time you know, Einstein again said, try not to become a man of success, but rather become a man of value. Become a man of value because that is where the greatest potential in your life will be released. And that's where the greatest fulfillment will be. 
That's why you're not going to be working hard. You'll be working smart. Yeah? You'll be working smart. Don't, don't, don't struggle with it. There are some people that struggle with it. Ah, you know, but there's no one in this place. There will be when you learn how to leverage it. Are you with me? There will be. You will release the leverage. Once you learn how to leverage it, you'll see that there's abundant food. The only reason why there won't be money in it is if God is a liar. Is there a tree whose seeds don't multiply? You need to understand the conditions in which that seed must be planted to release the power of it. There is no seed that does not multiply. There is no human being that does not have the, the potential to be marvelous and reveal that marvel and that awe and that wonder as they plant their seeds and bring it to that place of value. There's no person. There's no person. So invest your time in gaining clarity concerning your path. Discover your natural way to create wealth. We all have a natural way. We all have what? We have a natural way. Do this with me right now. Just fold your arms. And look at the person next to you. You know, some people fold their arms left over right. Some people fold their arms right over left. Yeah? Husbands and wives, they've been married for many years, but they fold their arms in different ways. Now, now, now try to do it the opposite way. Yeah? Now, now, you might succeed, but it just feels very weird. It is not natural. It is not what? It is not natural. There is a natural way in which you create wealth. There's a natural way in which you create wealth. And you need to discover it. You need to discover it. You need to make a careful exploration. Some people have been going around the houses for many years. You need to calm down and, and, and listen to yourself. Yeah? Because it's not very far. Listen to those around you. You know, if what you're doing at the moment feels like hard work, that means you're already doing the wrong thing. If it feels, you know, there, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some parts of this, but, you know, there's always, the, the, the area of education is always, uh, you have to push yourself, yeah? But, but it, it, when you're in your flow, it doesn't feel like hard work. Yes, you have to study, but there's a flow there. Are you with me? There's a, there's a flow there, and you know that. So if you are doing, what you are doing feels like hard work, you are already in the wrong direction. You're already in the wrong direction. Now, let's look at this very quickly. You know, I did this with the urban guys last week, and I'll do it with you. What do you think these guys have in common? Now, you know most of these guys, right? Help me. I'm going to come up with a slide that has the Nigerian equivalent of these people. Because this is everywhere. But we know these guys. Who's this guy? This is, um, this is Richard Branson. This is Oprah. Uh, this is Steve Ballmer, who was actually the um, CEO of Microsoft, and this is our, <laughs> this Donald Trump, this is, this George, George Soros, right? Now, this is um, Warren Buffett, um, this is um, John, Rock, John D. Rockefeller, and this is who? That's Steve Bezos, who started Amazon. Now, now, what would you say these guys have in common? Would say money, yeah? Would say wealth. But I don't know about you, but in my young days, or in my younger days, oh my goodness. <laughs> in my younger days, I used to like reading a lot of autobiographies. Okay? I mean, I read um, the biographies of um, Iacocca. Um, I read the biographies of um, Michael Jordan. I used to love reading biographies of business people. But after a while, I got a bit confused. Because sometimes you'll be reading a, an autobiography... And this guy will be recommending something that the other guy just said you shouldn't do. Have you discovered that yet? It's like there's conflicting uh, strategies. You read the autobiography of Warren Buffett and, you know, he's, uh, he, he, he holds on to stuff. So he, he, he does his fundamentals. He's a value investor. He identifies what he's going to invest in and he holds it for a lifetime. Meanwhile, Judge Soros... We'll buy and sell. All right? So it seems like con con contradictory biographies 
but, um, but, but they, they made their wealth that way. Now, if you're going to follow somebody, follow somebody that is like you. Are you with me? So the thing that these people have in common is that they understand their wealth path or their wealth profile and they have stuck with it. That is what they have in common because they are all very different. They make their money in very, very different ways. Very, very different ways. Um, and they have learned how to leverage those ways. Look at someone like, um, um, like Richard, Richard Branson. He's a creator. He creates innovative products, but he doesn't manage his businesses, does he? Yeah? He has CEOs for all the businesses, but he's an ideas person. But guess what? He owns the licenses of those businesses. So that's how he leverages it, isn't it? He, 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 um, he licenses his brand. You have Virgin, this Virgin, that he has built his brand and he licenses it. He's a creator. Okay? So every single path of wealth has their way of leveraging their value, but each person brings that value to a place of prominence. I'm going to make these slides available. I'm going to make the PDF available online on our website so you can download it and, and have a look at it yourself because we can't go into a lot of depth in, in uh, you know, because, but somebody wants to identify that there are eight wealth parts. You have one. You need to know who you are. Genesis, um, Galatians 6 says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into them. So the question is, which one are you? Which one are you? So you need to know your land, and you need to work it. You need to work it. So number one, you must become an expert in your niche. You must become a what? An expert in your niche. Bring that place of value to a place of prominence so that people will travel for miles to come and see you demonstrate your craft. For miles. They'll come and see you demonstrate your craft. You must be an expert in your place of value. You must be. You must be the go-to person. We must know what to identify you with. Your business card should not be importer, exporter, forward, in backwater. You know, I can do this, I can do that, I can do the other. You know, even though uh, Richard Branson has started a lot of businesses, his, his, his ability is to create. He knows how to create, how to understand trends and create. And then he has a team that manages. Are you with me? So there's a consistent, consistency there, even though he does many things. Do you, do you understand? He has focused on his place of value. Look at Oprah Winfrey. She's her brand. Stars are their own brand. They develop their own brand. They don't manage their businesses and run everything. When you bring your, your value to a place of prominence, others will collaborate with you. Are you with me? Others will, but the first thing you must be is you must be an expert. You must be an expert. I've said this over and over again. Do not pray for opportunities. Pray for wisdom to be an expert first. Because if the opportunities come, you'll squander them. If you're not an expert, you'll get the opportunity, but then you'll mess it up. You must be an expert. You must be a go-to person in your place of value. You must sink yourself into what God has called you to do. If you're not an expert in your craft, you are taking yourself out of the wealth game. You'll be going for miracle services. Like God just followed me. Come by here, Lord. Come by God doesn't want come by anywhere. He has already come by by investing seeds in you. That is grace. Praise the Lord. That is grace. That is grace. That is grace. Proverbs 22, 29 says, See a man diligent in his business. He will stand before kings, not before mere men. There is an attraction. That excellence generates which is unsurpassed. There is an attraction it generates. An attraction it generates. You know, there's a man that currently works for us. He does our designs. That guy's going to go far. He's going to go far. I'm always looking for people to partner with. That guy is going to go far because he's excellent. When he's ill, I wait. I pray for him that he will be well. 
if he does something inconsistent, it doesn't matter how many people say, you better move on. This guy is not reliable. I'm staying. Because I know he's a man of integrity and he's excellent. He does all our designs. I sent him an email last night. I said, Lind, I need you to change this around for me. This morning, he was waiting for me. I thought, wow. What a creation. What a creation. He's so excellent. 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 Be an expert. Don't be mediocre. Don't be ordinary. Let your customers be delighted with your work. It's not about saying, yes, sir, no, sir. Three bags full, sir. It's not about how, how low you bow down. Let your work speak for yourself such that it will have your signature on it. They will know that, yes, it was this man that wrote this document, presented this proposal. You must be excellent. That is the beginning of bringing your place of value to a place of prominence. Don't say that this is the kind of quality we have here. Change the standard. God hasn't called you to be a slumlord. So everything is bad. So yours is just a little bit. No. <laughs> Get an education. And after you've gotten an education, read some more. Read wide. Be an expert. I cannot oversell this point. Be an expert in your niche. Hallelujah. Be an expert in your niche. Walk with the wise. The Bible says, that who, who, those who walk with the wise will be wise themselves. But the counsel of fools will be destroyed. Walk with the wise. People that, are, you know, that want the same things, that desire great things. Walk with the wise. Don't, don't surround yourself with people that will bring you down. Know yourself. Don't compete. Collaborate. Don't feel that you have to do everything. Collaborate. 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 Be an expert. Walk with the wise. Know yourself. Don't compete. Collaborate. Great quotes here. Furman said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. I'm going to do that. What the world needs are people who come alive. Come alive. Don't try to, you know, come alive. Come alive. Focus on what you have been given. The thing that gives you joy. Carnegie says, the men who have succeeded are the men who have chosen one line and stuck to it. Wow. They brought it to a place of prominence. You are capable of more than you realize. Hallelujah. You are capable of much more than you realize. Yeah? That your gift. Bring it to a place of prominence. Yes, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's, you're going to need to extend yourself. But you must do that. You know, I, I, um, I've always had a desire to play an instrument. A musical instrument. I know how the desire... Everyone has the desire, but then there's a discipline before you get to the delight. So I typically crash and burn at the discipline, discipline level. I get started, but, but there's always this thing. There's this thing you have to push through. We all need to push through that excellence barrier. Yeah? We all need to push through. You know, when I say learn to play the piano... You know, it sounds great, and I love jazz, I love classical music, and I love, you know, I, I, I believe that my investment in an instrument is, is planning for my retirement. Not that I'll ever retire, but I think one of my greatest pleasures is going to be just, you know, being somewhere and just playing. You know, playing jazz, invite you to my concerts, you know. <laughs> or when I'm alone, I just play on my own, you know, I, I love it. So I started playing the piano. And you know that as you're playing the piano, like let's say you're playing something as fundamental as, um, as scales, your right hand and your left hand play different things. You know, when I came across that barrier, I thought, how, do, how, how is this possible? You are reading the score, you know, the, the one at the top is for the right, the one at the bottom is for the left, and you're meant to be reading both and playing different things. Or even if you're not reading, you're just playing your Doremi Fasolatido, but the right hand, the fingering is different from the left. And I came to that barrier and I thought, this is impossible. You know, it gave me a, a, a greater appreciation for people who play instruments. 
And my instructor was like, no, you're going to do that. So I thought, you know, I'm going to sit down and apply myself to this thing. I, you know, I broke through that barrier and I began to do it and it became almost instinctive. You know, you are capable of much more than you realize. You are capable of much more than you realize. If you will just apply yourself, you will break through a certain threshold and enter into a totally different domain. You are capable of much more than you realize. And that is why you must associate with the right people. Man, I need to bring this to a close. Don't chase fantasies. Napoleon Hill says, in times of change, the learners will inherit the earth, but the learned will find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. You know, when you're in your flow, in your place of value, you keep learning. But you know, when it's hard work, it's like, I've got a degree, I'm okay. Have you noticed that? And then you find yourself, you know, the world keeps changing. And it's the learners that will inherit the earth, the ones, people who keep, ex, keep improving, keep expanding. If you think, well, I'm done with education, then you're in the wrong space. Are you with me? Because things keep changing. So lastly, um, this is the last verse. It says, except a column of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Except a corn of wheat falls into the ground. We're talking about your seeds, right? They need to fall into the ground and die to release much fruit. You need to allow your seeds to compound. Are, are you with me? This is talking about focusing on the right thing. Focusing on the right thing. And allowing your seeds to compound. They might not hear of you in the first year. They might not hear of you in the second year or in the third year. Yeah? But you need to trust the process. Is someone listening to me this afternoon? You need to trust the process. The God that has put seeds in a tree and has destined their fruitfulness has put seeds in you. And if you will plant those seeds, you will have abundant food. But the seed has to fall into the ground and die. You need to allow it to compound. It's going to take some time. It's going to take you spending years educating it, bringing it to a place of prominence. Of, of prominence. You're not an entrepreneur. I believe everyone is created to be an entrepreneur, even if you work for somebody. It's a mindset. An entrepreneur is somebody who assumes both the risk and the management of a business. A person who is willing to launch a new venture or enterprise and accept Full responsibility. Everyone say responsibility. responsibility. Accept full responsibility for the outcome. If you're a department head, the reason why you're a leader is because you accept full responsibility for the outcome. You know, I like the French word from which the word entrepreneur comes from. And that's the word entreprendre, which means to undertake. One who delivers on promises. When you deliver on promises... You will generate such a level of attraction, irrespective of what quadrant you're in. That attraction will attract the best opportunities and investments your way. It will increase everything about your scope of influence. I believe that when you allow your seed to die, two things are going to happen. You are going to increase your level of trust. You know, this guy I talked about, who is our designer, I trust him. Because over and over again, the quality of his work is always A1. When you bring your work to a place of prominence, over time, it will increase your level of trust. The second thing it will do is it will increase your reputation. People will start talking about you. You'll be the go-to person. It does not matter who is asking about this area. They'll say, ha, have you heard about this guy? Have you heard about this guy? Have you heard about this guy? It's going to take time. You have uh, your reputation for excellence. Your reputation for integrity will compound. It will compound. It will compound. It will compound. And when you begin to receive the fruit of it, you'll be a wonder. You'll be a wonder. The wonder that you are created to be. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful 
We're so thankful because this is the year where we have been released to take charge. We're so thankful, oh God, that we are not, we are are the head and not the tail. By virtue of our creation, we are above only and not beneath. Father, we trust in the process. We trust in in the process. We pay attention to who we are and the work you have given us. Oh God, our only, only prayer today is that your spirit will open our eyes to understand the place of our glory and dominance in the name of Jesus. We ask for the resources, the wisdom to bring this value to a place of prominence so that you'll be glorified with the works of our hands. Holy Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus.